uh, as many of you know, as a church, we've had uh, the vision of going deeper in the things of God this year. And I think it's pretty amazing that uh, before all of this, we had planned to do the 40 days of purpose. And that uh, looking at the material, it's really uh, speaking into the situation that we're in right now. Um, as we uh, put our roots deep into the things of God, we're then able to strengthen our branches and reach out into the community around us with his love. And so um, we're going to be continuing in our sermon series uh, that is uh, Live Your Calling. Uh, what on earth am I here for? Uh, we've been looking at the, the purposes that God has for us. Uh, the purposes or the calling, those, those two words are interchangeable. Uh, we have five purposes, five assignments, five missions, five callings that God has for us and has laid out for us in Scripture. And um, for those of you, uh, can I encourage you, uh, particularly in this time, to continue up with your readings. And one thing that I'd love to see uh, is if, if there is anything that has spoken to you, uh, a revelation, something that's been a blessing or an encouragement, can I get you to grab your phone, uh, put it on, record a message for us and tell us what God's been doing uh, in this time as you've been um, studying the book and going through the daily readings. And we can post that on Facebook so that other people can be encouraged. Um, so uh, the first week we looked at we are called to be loved. Before we do anything, before we uh, try and do anything for God, before we try and fix ourselves, before anything like that, the first things first, we are called and designed to be loved. And in order to experience that love, We've got to let go of any barriers or any things that would hold us back because God's love is pouring forth day after day. And I want to declare to you wherever you are, sometimes you don't feel loved or you don't feel worthy. Uh, that is not true. You are loved. And we need to experience that love and let go of the barriers that stop us from experiencing that love. So that's first before anything that is the central thing of the gospel. God loves you. And then the second thing, uh, last week, and again, it's quite timely, we are called to belong. We're not designed to be out by ourselves, isolated, which is why we're going on about, if you feel that way, get in contact with us, get onto the Facebook page, um, get connected with people, be a phone call away. We're not designed to be lonely. We're not designed to be isolated. We're actually designed for community. We're designed for family. And God has not only loved us, but he has called us into his family. We're no longer foreigners and aliens. We're no longer orphans, but he has adopted us into his very own family. And he calls us his children. We have been included in the family of God. What an amazing thing that is. And so um, this message today is not only are we called to be loved and called to belong, we are called to become. It's like building blocks of a pyramid. You might look, uh, kids, you might look at the back of a cereal packet 
and see uh, a healthy food pyramid. And on the bottom is fruit and vegetables and then uh, you know, dairy and, and protein and, and sweets is up, <laughs> up the top. Um, so this is a bit like that. Right at the very bottom is you are loved. You're called to be loved. Everything is built on that. And out of that, we know that we have been included in and part of God's family. And when we come to understand and know that, we find our purpose and we find meaning in this world. We found out our identity is in Christ. And out of that, then we become. Now, um, you can't uh, become the woman or God called you to be unless you belong to the family, unless you get your identity in Christ and know that he is calling you to so much more. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God has so much more for your life. He has designed you to be so much more. Now, I don't know about you, but pretty much all kids, when they're growing up, want to become something. Who here wanted to become a fireman? For some reason, fireman was kind of top of the list of what kids wanted to become, or, or an astronaut was probably another one. Now, uh, second question, who actually became those things that they wanted to become? Probably not very many of you became firemen or astronauts, unless Chris, maybe, if you're watching. Um, do you know what my story is? I remember in high school when uh, you're doing your career pathways and the teachers are saying, if you're going to go to uni and do this course, you've got to do these subjects. And so they got you to, t to write out or think about what you wanted to do in life, what you wanted to become. Now, as a young man, all I wanted to do was surf and skate and have fun. I didn't know what my future held. And so I had no idea about what to put on these forms. Now, funnily enough, I put down that I wanted to be a housewife. That's right. And the second choice was I wanted to be a TV evangelist. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Now, I said those things as a joke um, because I had, had no idea about what I wanted to become. Um, but the thing is, you are called to become, but to become what? An astronaut, a fireman, a TV evangelist? No, what we are called to become isn't anything to do with our job or what we do. It's actually about how we become in our character. And we're ultimately called, the third calling in life is we are called to become like Christ. We are called to become like Christ. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we are God or we are Christ. Uh, we never will be. But we are to take on the characteristics of Christ. And so we know that Jesus was filled with love and compassion that he had patience uh, with those around him. He was full of joy and full of peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that I need more patience in my life. I know I need more joy and more peace uh, in my life, particularly in this season. And so to become like Christ is to actually grow in maturity, is to not be the same tomorrow as we were today or the day before. We are meant to change. We are designed to grow. We are designed to mature. You know what? I am so glad 
that I am not the person I was when I was 18 years old. Uh, I might wish that I was living that life, but uh, in terms of the things that I did, I look back and I think, man, I did some pretty silly things and some stupid things uh, in my life. And I'm glad that now in this season, I'm not that person I was. I've had to grow and I've had to mature in so many areas of my life. And it's sad when people think, you know what, I've reached it. Where I am now is the pinnacle of who I am. I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to experience anymore. I don't need to discover anymore. I, this is who I am. I think that's such a sad thing because there is always more. With God, there is always more. And he has more for you in your growth and in your um, transformation to become like Christ. So we are designed to become. We are designed to change. It actually reminds me of a cartoon I came across on Facebook just the other day of a caterpillar complaining to a butterfly. He said, you've changed. And the butterfly says, we're supposed to. You know, we are supposed to change. We are supposed to grow. We are supposed to mature. Now, five times in the Bible, it compares to becoming like Jesus as to that of running a race. Five times in scripture it's used as that picture of becoming like Christ as to running a race. Now this life is not a hundred meter sprint. It's not over and done in an instant. Life is a marathon. It's not just then, it's not just now, but it encompasses all that is to come. So this life is a marathon of maturity. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, some of these passages. Now, there are eight steps or eight principles that come out of this. For the, for the purpose of time, and I know that a lot of you have kids uh, who are watching this at the moment as well, whose attention spans might be waning even now, I'm only going to look at the first three principles for today, and then I'm going to look at be doing a couple of mini sermons that I'm going to be posting out with those other uh, five principles in the week to come. So for today, it's just the first three. Um, now, I believe God has a sense of humor because all of these principles relate to everything that we are experiencing now. I think God knows what he's doing. The first step, the first principle is to, uh, if we're going to make it to the end, if we're going to make this marathon of maturity, number one, we have to simplify our life. I need to simplify my life. I need to cut off. I need to discard. I need to clean up the, the clutter. If we think of a marathon runner, a marathon runner uh, you know, strips off all the clothes and only has the bare essentials, you know, really light shorts and top and light sneakers. A marathon runner doesn't run in his dressing gown uh, because it would hold him back. In the same way, there are things in our lives that hold us back from running the race of maturity that God has called us to. There are things in our lives that are weights. There are things in our lives that are burdens. There are things in our lives that are things that we think are important and that we do, which is why that song that we had at prayer time was really relevant to this point right now, is that there are these, these things in our lives that we need to let go of. And my hope 
is for you in this time and in this season that we're experiencing right now, that you would have time to reflect on and what's important in your life. What are the things that you want to hold on to and keep and pursue? And what are the things that you perhaps need to disregard or throw off? Um, I remember, and I've used this story before, being in a conference. And at the conference, the speakers encouraged us to get into small groups and to just pretend that we had 30 days left to live. What would you do with that 30 days? And so we talked amongst ourselves and we said, you know, we'd tell family about Jesus and we'd make a difference in the world and we'd do this and we'd, we'd do that. And, and, and then they got us back together and they said, okay, let's whiteboard all of these things that are the priorities, are the, the things that are most important to you. And then they said, and why aren't you doing them now? And it felt like a dagger to the heart of the reality that we spend so much time, so much um, uh, mind energy and practical things, doing things that don't actually make a difference in our lives. And so the first point is to encourage us to simplify our lives. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. Let's look at that word, anything. Anything that slows us down or hold us back. That Greek word is ilkios, which actually means weight. It means something bulky. It means a burden. It means something heavy that holds you back. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. We've all had that experience, I'm sure. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Now, there's a certain word in there. It says the particular race. You know what? This is the assignment. This is the race that God has for you in your life. You're not running someone else's race. And someone else isn't running the race for you. This is your calling in your life to run the marathon of maturity. So it's the particular race that God has for you. So the first step is we've got to just strip off stuff. We've got to simplify. The second step uh, in verse 2, it says in Hebrews uh, 12 again, notice the part, it says, let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Let us run with patience. So step two is, <laughs> thanks Dave, you're doing well, mate. <laughs> you're trying to follow me along. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. You know what? This race that we're running is going to take your whole life to complete. Uh, it is a marathon. I remember preaching on uh, a similar verse uh, a couple of months ago and Richard Sullivan pulled me aside in the coffee room afterwards and he said, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And he used to do a lot of long distance running. And he said the whole point in long distance running is that you have to pace yourself. You cannot go flat chaps out of the, the, the stocks at the start and expect to keep that pace up. You'll just flatten yourself out, you'll run out of energy. So you have to run a race in a long distance by setting the tempo and allowing yourself to have the energy to get to the end. 
And it's the same in this. We've got to be patient with our growth. We've got to be patient with our maturity. Uh, we can uh, give ourselves a little bit of um, a wriggle room if we, don't, if we feel discouraged. We've got to know that it's going to take our whole lifetime. Now, if God wants a mushroom, it takes six hours. If God wants an oak tree, it takes 60 years. Now, what would you rather be, a mushroom or an oak tree? I know what I'd rather be, and it fits in with our vision of this year. I want to be a, a strong tree with roots that go deep down, that isn't swayed by the, the, the winds of this world, uh, by the attacks of the enemy, uh, by things that come into our life. I'm firm in my foundation uh, in Jesus, and out of that I can live and be the strong tree that he's calling me to be. And even you know, the threat of, of a virus isn't going to throw me off that call. Now, notice it says, with patience. Run with patience the particular race that God has set out before us. Now, I must have read this verse, I don't know, 20 times. And I've never really noticed the word patience in that particular verse, possibly because I've been reading in a hurry. Um, but it says that we need to have patience uh, in, in the way that we run this race. So uh, know that uh, we're not in a hurry that this race is going to take a, a lifetime. Now, the third step, it, the third step is a no-brainer. It's something that we go on, on about at church and on about in, with one another. And number three is spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Just a bit of time every day. Spend time with Jesus. Don't just think, I'm going to... Um, acquire it all and just have a big bulky time with Jesus once a week like on a Sunday morning and think that that will carry you through. We're called to actually spend time every day uh, with Jesus. Why? Well, if we are to become something, what we want to become, we think about. We dwell on it. We reflect on it. We ponder. Uh, we spend time uh, with people like that. So if I want to mature and, and be uh, all that God wants me to be, I've got to surround myself uh, with people who are modeling that to me. Uh, have you ever noticed, uh, particularly with teenagers, the phrase, oh, he's fallen into the wrong crowd? Or, my, or you know, in a testimony, uh, when I was younger, I fell into the wrong crowd. What that's saying is a person once had a set of values, a set of behaviors, a uh, set of beliefs, and by uh, surrounding themselves with a group of people who had different beliefs, different values, uh, different behaviors, those rubbed off on that person and changed uh, that person and caused them to, to do things that they wouldn't have done before. And so that principle is what we're talking about here. It's like the old cliche, you can't soar with eagles and run with turkeys. <laughs> We are called to spend time with Jesus because as we spend time with Jesus, his character and his values and what he is about uh, rubs off on us and helps us to become like him. So we call this time of spending with Jesus our quiet time. Now, it's called a quiet time because um, it's only when we're quiet often, when we remove the noise and the things of this world, that we can actually hear the voice of Jesus in our lives. Now, again, can I say to you, 
you're going to have a lot of time. Why don't you make more of it your quiet time? And uh, be able to get rid of the distractions and, and hear from the Lord. Hans Vortman at our church camp last year really encouraged us in this. And he talked about the alpha stage of our minds, that stage between consciousness and sleep. And it's often in that, that stage uh, where we most hear from the Lord because we're uh, getting rid of the distractions of being awake um, that are, are stopping us from, from hearing from Him. And so, so often it's when I'm drifting off to sleep that I will hear uh, sermon messages or, or ideas or things to do in ministry. Uh, that's because I've, I've turned off the distractions and I've actually entered into that quiet time. So can I encourage you to... Um, Put on some worship music, uh, set aside some time, and spend some time with Jesus every day. Back to Hebrews 12, in verse 2, it says, here's what the Bible says. We do this by keeping our eyes, in other words, by running the race of life. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's focusing on him every day, on whom our faith depends from the start. That's the beginning of the race of your life. To the finish, that's the end of the race. You cannot become like Jesus unless you spend time with Jesus. Now, the simple fact is, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you're going to become like him. The more you're going to learn of his love, of his character, of his grace. Uh, So... Can I encourage you, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll become like him. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you'll become like him. It's a great story in the Old Testament of Moses. Uh, when he was receiving the commandments up on Mount Sinai, he'd spent months up on the mountain uh, in the presence of, of God. And when he came down to the people, it said that his face shone. Uh, as he uh, reflected God's glory. And it shone so much that he had to wear a veil uh, in front of the people because of the the glory of the Lord that um, resonated in him. So that's an example of being in God's presence and allowing his character to transform us and to change us and to allow us to become like him. And it says in... uh, Two Corinthians, just like Moses had to have a veil because of the, the glory that was on him, it says that all of us have had that veil removed. So we don't have to wear that veil so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. As the Spirit of the Lord works in us, as God's Spirit works within you day after day, we become, there's that word, become, we become, the third calling, more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. You know what? We are called to glow. We are called to reflect the likeness of Jesus in our world every day more and more like him. And can I encourage you again, particularly in this time, how can we reflect the goodness of Jesus in our lives, not only to our immediate surroundings, but into the community around us?
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are calling us to become like you. We thank you that it doesn't just happen in an instant, uh, but that in this marathon of maturity, this marathon of life, you're calling us to become like you. Lord, in this time, help us to reflect on the things that we need to strip away, the things that are holding us back from running this race. Help us to know that you are doing the work in us and help us, Lord, to spend time with you every day so that in spending time with you, we might reflect who you are in our lives and and live out this third calling of becoming like Christ. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.